Sports Pen with you on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, delighted to be along with you as we start a new week and uh, we start our first full week of the month of May. We're glad to have you along here in ESPN-UP. Joined on our phone line here by somebody who's not new to ESPN-UP, and we're delighted to be, uh, uh, have Max Stevens with us. He uh, does some work for us here and kind of a part-time basis. He's a student at Northern Michigan University, does a lot of broadcast work out at Northern, and we're delighted that he's able to co-host for today. What's up, Max? It's a pleasure to be with you, Tanner, and may the 4th be with you. May the 4th. I was waiting until how long it would be, uh, what the over-under would be until that joke was made, and we did about 37 seconds, so if the over-under was that. Uh, we, we, we did pretty darn good, but either or, Max is co-hosting with us today. He does a lot of work for us here and uh, continues to do a lot of work for us uh, despite the ever-changing conditions, what have you. He's usually on uh, Sundays hosting uh, Sports Center updates. But first of all, Max, let's help the audience get to know you a little bit better because you're on the airwaves. You're not new to the show. We've had you on once or twice before, but let's help the, the audience get a little bit of a refresher with you and everything. Tell me about... You know, going to Northern, are, I mean, graduation was this weekend. You're still pursuing your undergrad. Are you out for the summer? Uh, no, I actually am still living in my, uh, my Marquette home. Uh, I had an internship in the Northwoods League. I was going to be uh, one of the radio voices of the Kalamazoo Growlers downstate. But uh, due to the whole, you know, COVID-19 situation and how it's uh, impacted sports, that has, uh, for the moment, been postponed the northwoods league season is going to be kicking off sometime in mid-june early july supposedly uh that is of course assuming the situation improves and we're allowed to have these events in public and uh, there's a lot of things up in the air right now but uh, but for the time being no I, i'm i'm still here in marquette and, and uh i wish it was under better circumstances but i'm pretty happy about it you know the sun is out today and uh, just, it's just so beautiful here. I can never be too upset about not leaving Marquette. Hey, well, I'm thankful that the uh, weather at least has been pretty good here over the last few days. It's starting to feel like summer, late spring, what have you. But tell you what, mm -hmm. I hope that all works out with uh, Northwoods League. I was a part of that a couple of years ago over in Duluth. It's a great opportunity, and the Growlers are a great organization. So I'm hoping that all works out for you. But tell me about some of the things that you're involved with over at Northern. At Northern Michigan, oh boy. Well, I'm pretty entrenched in our uh, in our sports broadcasting program. I, I'm involved in broadcasting all different types of sports. Uh, lacrosse, soccer, basketball, hockey, football. Uh, if it is streamed, I'm involved with it some way, somehow, usually. And uh, it's, it's just a, a, a blast. You know, uh, my, my boss, Mike Lakenin, is an incredible mentor, and I've learned a lot going through the program, and I've gotten a ton of experience, and uh, our, our department has even won a couple of uh, Michigan Association of Broadcaster Awards for our work uh, broadcast, producing broadcasts of football games. So, you know, it's, it's a great program, and I'm just I'm totally thrilled with the um, just the extent of how much you can get involved with it well and it's not just being behind the mic but they have camera positions i'm sure producers and stuff like that grips and what have you and how mm -hmm. many does it take how many students or faculty what have you does it take to put together a broadcast team there? well that really depends um it depends on the sport 
See, uh, it and it also depends on the uh, on the occasion. Whenever we play uh, Michigan Tech in just about any sport, uh, TV Six likes to come in and pick up and do a broadcast of it. So they do that for football. They do that for basketball. They do that for, I believe, volleyball as well, and obviously hockey. Um, so in those instances, it's it's a big crew. We have a couple of people from TV6 uh, in, our, in our control room, and we have everybody uh, staffed at their usual positions. Like, for example, hockey, we have at this point four camera operators, uh, three uh, cameras stationed around the arena, and one remote. We have a uh, camera we have a camera control deck that controls the uh, the lighting on all the cameras and can alter the the image uh, just make sure all the lighting is correct and that the image quality looks good. Um, we also have a replay operator, a director, uh, a graphics and audio operator, which is usually me. And uh, then to my right would be the, the fourth camera person and then a video board operator. So that's, I lost track of how many people that is, but I think there's 10 of us uh, at most. And then on the flip side, on our sports, that, uh, for example, when I would record work the broadcast of a soccer game, it would be just me behind the camera. Uh, in the soccer press, in the press box by the soccer field. So it really just, it varies. It could be just a one person, we're streaming this camera feed gig, or it could be a, there's 10 of us and we need to really do our best because we're on TV. Did you know that this was something that you wanted to get involved with when you came to Northern? Was it something that attracted you or was it something where you got here and you thought, man, this is awesome man. I want to get involved in it? Uh, this is actually what what brought me to Northern. I uh, I saw the the WNMU studios downstairs, and well, it was called the uh, the LRC when I got here. I believe it's it's been renamed now. It's just Harden Hall. But uh, I was shown that, and I was you know I learned about the broadcasting program, and it was that combined with the uh, the natural beauty of Marquette and uh, just how remote it is compared to where I grew up is really what brought me here. And I, yeah, I, so the short answer would be, uh, I got, I was, I knew I wanted to, to go into broadcasting. And then when I got up here and I saw the campus and I learned about the program that my, my mind was made up. Max Stevens, a student at Northern, does some work for us here at ESPN UP, is co host today. We're glad to have him along. Max, any favorite moment in sports uh, broadcast from this past school year? Anything that stood out to you maybe was your favorite? <laughs> Yes, my favorite moment this year was, without a doubt, uh, working the game where we it was our last home game before the break for the Christmas and New Year's holidays. Uh, we were posting Minnesota State Mankato, and they were ranked number one in the country at the time. And we upset them, and we beat them four to one. And it was uh, one of one of my coworkers who graduated in December. It was his last game, so he he was a uh, a very respected and much loved member of our team. And it was just great that we could send him out with a great broadcast and a great game where we we beat the number one team in the country. So I'd say that was definitely my best 
my uh, the highlight of, of my uh, of my year in terms of broadcasting. I remember that night, and that's got to be hard to top. But I tell you what, let's talk about some of your favorite teams, maybe the outlook that they have for the coming year. We'll do a lot of that over the course of today's show. But who are your favorite teams, some of your players or interests? Oh, boy. Well, I'm a big uh, football and basketball guy, and uh, my – I love all the sports, really. I, I was going to go off on – I'll just save you the, the tangents of how I got into to every single sport. But I, I, I just love sports. All the four major ones I, I, I follow more or less. And uh, I've gotten much more into hockey this year, and I've been really excited about that. I'm super bummed that the uh, the cup playoffs are, are kind of on hold right now. Uh, but – no, my, my favorite teams, I grew up uh, in the suburbs, about 20 miles outside of Detroit. So for the most part, I, I love all the, the Detroit teams are at the top of all my lists, except for in the NFL. Uh, my mother is an avid cheesehead, big Green Bay Packers fan, and uh, I was raised accordingly. So I don't hate the Lions, which is a common misconception. I'd still, if the Lions were a good team, it would make me really happy. But I have not seen that for as long as I've been alive. Matter of fact, a lot of people, much older than myself, haven't seen that for as long as they've been alive. So, you know, Pistons, Tigers, Red Wings, all my favorite teams in their respective sports. In football, it's the Green Bay Packers. That's, uh, i got to be honest with you, Max, sounds like a lot of suffering right there. You know, it's, it's been a rough stretch, Tanner. Uh, it's, it's been a rough stretch. But I still remember the uh, just how awesome it was. I gosh, I was in. This is really gonna make me feel old. But the last time a Detroit sports team won a championship, I was in third grade, mm-hmm. and that was the uh, the Red Wings be winning the Stanley Cup over the Pittsburgh Penguins in six games back in two thousand and eight. I tell you what, it, it, it feels a lot longer ago than it probably was, although you think about some of these Detroit sports teams. I know the Lions have struggled for success uh, for a while, but it wasn't too long ago that the Red Wings were really competitive, that the Tigers were consistently winning their division, or the Pistons. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably been about 15 years since they were toward the top tier in the NBA, but it feels a lot longer ago than it probably was for a lot of these teams, although – they had that success, no championships came from it, and then uh, the Packers, of course, had the one championship in uh, Super Bowl 45, was it, against Pittsburgh a few years ago, so, I mean, it, it, maybe it's not as bad as it initially sounds, but maybe you're, you know, you're going through it right now, and these things tend to even itself out. Yeah, and, you know, thankfully, uh, I'm also a big uh, Michigan State Spartans fan, so mm-hmm. we had that, we've had a good stretch for our basketball program. Uh, up until recently, our football program was go- was going through a really good stretch too. So that that was at least something. Or at least if our professional teams weren't getting it done, you know, we were ultra competitive in football for a good stretch in the middle of the decade. You know, Rose Bowl victory, Cotton Bowl victory. Uh, we made the playoff. Won't talk about what happened after that, but you know, we made the playoff. We got that far. And then you know, a couple of Final Fours for basketball last year. We we finally beat Duke only to get knocked off by Texas Tech in the next game. But, you know, we, we you pick your battles and, and just the teams have been successful and competitive. And, and given the, the landscape of other professional and non-professional sports in the state of Michigan, you take what you can get right now. 
How do you feel about the Mel Tucker hiring? I'm going to need to give uh, Tucker about two years. I'm not too familiar with his work about Col- with, at Colorado. I know they went about, I think, five and seven this past year. But the uh, people were praising the hire because Tucker is an aggressive and skilled recruiter. Uh, which is something that I think uh, the Michigan State program desperately needs if they want to stay competitive in a Big East, in a Big Ten East landscape that includes the likes of Penn State, Ohio State, and as much as I hate to admit it, Michigan. So on those grounds, I like the hire. But in terms of you know his one season at Colorado, he produced a five and seven record. So I'd like to see when he starts getting talent through the door. If he can put together, you know, as long as we're competitive, I'll be within a couple of years. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be fond of this hire. I think I'll think it'll work out. How about through your years of being a Michigan State fan? Who is your favorite Spartan football player to come out of this? My favorite Spartan football player. Ooh, jeez. Favorite Spartan football player. Well, one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, when I was younger, was Keith Nickel, uh, because he used to, he was the quarter, he was doing a quarterback tandem uh, with Kirk Cousins, and then well, when Kirk took over the job full-time, Keith converted to a wide receiver, and that was the first instance I saw of a player making a drastic position change when I was a kid. So I saw that, and I just thought that was really cool, and then, of course, Keith Nickel caught the game-winning Hal Mary against Wisconsin. And it was just a legend. That was a legendary game, and I remember watching it on on TV with my mom. And that was that was a great game. So I will always remember Keith Nickel for making that catch. I give you props. I thought you were going to go the easy route and tell me somebody like Le'Veon Bell, but I like what you did there with Keith Nickel. It's not who I was expecting, but I give you props for that answer. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not I'm not a no fake Spartan fans over here. I I remember I remember my favorite players. I tell you what, uh, Max Stevens with me, Tanner Hoops here in the sports pen. We'll take our first time out. We got more to speculate on, talk about next on ESPN UP. Since before the Mighty Mac was built, Embers has been here for the Youpers that have made this community what it is. In these challenging times, we want to say thank you to the selfless men and women that show what it means to be Youper strong. And even as we adapt, we will never stop living it up. You've been here for us and we are here for you. We are never more than a call, click, or tap away. We're Ember's Credit Union. We will get through this together. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. I tell you what, your workload might have even increased with everything that's been going on here. So we're delighted to have you uh, doing a little extra here over the course of this hour and co-hosting uh, the show today. But I tell you what, we've been talking with Max about some of his favorite teams, the outlook that he has for the coming seasons with them. And he mentioned uh, pretty much all Detroit sports teams except football. He's a Packers guy and a Michigan State fan. So, man, i got to ask you, I know we're a week and a half out from it, but your thoughts on the – 
the Packer draft because it was kind of unconventional, but I've heard mixed reviews, you know, and as time has gone on, maybe some Packer fans feel a little different about it, but how are you feeling now about 10 days out? Well, I got to tell you, Tanner, uh, I, I was one of the one of these individuals that administered a, a mixed review for the Packers draft when I did so uh, in our draft feature special that we may, we uh, produced about the NFC North. I was so infuriated with my Packers for in the first two rounds drafting players at the position groups that I felt were among the strongest on the entire roster. I I just couldn't I couldn't believe it and the fact that we traded up to to select a player to select a, a quarterback of 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 all the positions I I was just I I couldn't believe it I mean I I don't hate Jordan Love I mean I understand he's a he's a he's a prospect that a lot of people are high on I just don't like the position where we got Jordan Love I think we could have used that pick on a on a premium wide receiver of which there were no shortages of mm. in this in this draft class and I think uh Minnesota Minnesota really nailed it because my my hot take for this for this draft class has uh, I will maintain is that I believe Justin Jefferson is going to be the best wide receiver out of this stacked class mm. so I had to give big ups to big ups to the Minnesota Vikings on that one why is that that you believe Jefferson is the top wide out in this class well, I must admit, I, I Jefferson is the is the college receiver uh, whose tape I've seen the most of while he was playing in college. But I mean, just the things he's able to do to to get open and the kind of magic he can work with in the open field is is, is really remarkable. And I understand he was playing on one of the most prolific offenses that college football has ever seen. I mean, this was a a, a season, this LSU season, where they had, you know, a handful of close games, and they just steamrolled everybody. The offensive production was was un, unheralded, and obviously his quarterback was drafted first overall. So, but you know, really Jefferson put up incredible numbers, and I mean his 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 speed and elusiveness in the open field, I think, are really going to translate well to an NFL level. He's got a lot of uh, explosiveness coming right off the line of scrimmage. He's deadly running across the middle of the field, and I think he's going to slot right in. I tell you what, that LSU offense, like you mentioned, no joke. I could not believe that everyone on that starting offense is now with an NFL team, whether they were drafted or picked up as an undrafted free agent. That, that's just insane. But uh, a really special offense and a really special talent in just, uh, Justin Jefferson. I tell you what, um, we were talking about some of your other favorite teams. I know the Packers, well, maybe they didn't address some immediate needs in the draft. They should still expect a really good year. I think they'll be a playoff team again. I don't know if they'll hold off Minnesota for the division. I think that'll be a battle in and of itself. But, man, there's still a lot of reason to be optimistic the Packers are going to have another really good year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Tanner, because because the Packers, uh, especially in the in the sports media, because the draft was um, a lot of people, rightfully so, and like myself, have so many questions about the uh, the decisions made with our highest picks. A lot of people, the narrative has kind of been twisted. I think people are forgetting the Packers went 13-3 and and were a game away from – representing the NFC in the Super Bowl last year. 
I think a lot of people forget that. But, you know, also, like you said, Tanner, it's not like the draft was all bad, you know? I really liked uh, in one of the, in the later rounds we picked up uh, an offensive lineman. We picked up Jake Hansen out of Oregon. You know, Oregon had uh, one of the best offensive lines in in college football last season. They had a lot of veteran starting experience, and so you know, picks like that, I can I can get down with. And I think the Packers, like you said, Tanner, might might take a little bit of a step back. Uh, but this should be another really successful season for them. Well, hopefully that we can get everything started on time. The NFL schedule's uh, due to be released within the week, what have you. But as we look ahead, hopefully we're getting all this back, all these sports and what have you back, man. I look ahead to the NFL, and I'm thinking, how is this all going to shake out? Because there's a lot of storylines there. You know, you like to go through each division and pick who you think could be winning that, representing that division in the playoffs, and then uh, who the wild card teams are. But, man, is there a more uh, interesting division, should we say, than the NFC South right now? Adding a guy like Tom Brady, Gronk comes back, and all of a sudden we don't know what to think of Tampa Bay. Are they a Super Bowl team? Are they a 10-6 and six team? Are they a wild card team? Will they contend with New Orleans for the division? I mean, I've heard pretty much everything under the sun. What about you? What do you think? Well, you know, Tanner, I'm glad you brought this up because I think I think Tampa, Tampa Bay, whether they're good or not, is going to be the team to watch because the narrative all last season, if we remember, New England started, I believe, 8-0. They were 8-0 before they lost for the first time against Baltimore. And then when the team started struggling offensively, the narrative became, well, Tom Brady doesn't have any weapons. So now that he does, you know, he has access to Chris Godwin. You know, Mike Evans went healthy. Now Gronkowski's back. I mean, so we see that's not – that narrative no longer applies. However, Tampa Bay was not a great team last season, and you could contribute a lot of that to, well, their starting quarterback turned the ball over 30 times just through the air. And we're going to find out the how, just how good the Tampa Bay roster is because uh, Tom Brady is obviously an improvement over Jameis Winston. So I think the Buccaneers are going to be able to con- are going to be contending for a playoff spot. I don't think I don't have them as favorites to win the Super Bowl or favorites to make a deep playoff run, but I definitely think they'll be contending for a playoff spot this year. Well, you have New Orleans still in that division. They're still my pick to. Uh, win that division and you know, mm-hmm. they, they end up getting Jameis Winston for whatever reason yeah. they decide Jameis Winston is uh, the guy that they want to add to potentially take over for Drew Brees here in a couple of years you've got Carolina that's got, I thought made a really good move getting Teddy Bridgewater I like him a lot he's kind of on a mm-hmm. prove me deal and they go and get Joe Brady to uh, compliment Matt Rule's coaching staff and who knows what you're going to get out of Atlanta that division is going to be a really fun one to watch but one that I think might have gone under the radar little bit or is going under the radar in wake of the Tampa Bay news is the NFC West which might be the best division in football because you've got two playoff teams including one who was in the Super Bowl last year another who was in the Super Bowl two years ago and then Arizona who got a lot better this offseason with uh, DeAndre Hopkins will fit right in with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned the Cardinals because I think the Cardinals are going to be uh, the team to watch in the next couple of years. 
You know, I mean, the Cardinals have just been dreadful for the past several seasons. But now you're giving a young quarterback like Kyler Murray, who played, you know, who played well last season. Obviously, he was a rookie, and accordingly, he made some rookie mistakes, and, and the team wasn't great. But they definitely took steps forward with Murray, and now you're going to give the young man, on top of having a veteran receiver like Larry Fitzgerald, who is not nearly the receiver he once was, but is still Larry Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. and you're going to compliment him with DeAndre Hopkins? With Cliff Kingsbury, who proved a lot, you know, a lot of people ask questions about, uh, can Cliff Kingsbury really do this at the NFL level? Well, we're about to find out, because last season we saw flashes of the offense. We saw flashes of the Cardinals blossoming into a contender. Well, now they've made some serious upgrades to their available weapons. I look at the Cardinals as one of the team, teams to watch going forward. Well, now we look at the uh, few other divisions, and we're looking at the NFC East now. And, man, I, I tell you what, this weekend, I don't know if anybody saw Andy Dalton signing with the Dallas Cowboys or who would have thought that Andy Dalton would get paid before Dak Prescott. But, mm-hmm. man, this is the first time that I've genuinely felt, you know, I've wondered if it could happen, but I, I genuinely feel it now that Dak Prescott will not be a Dallas Cowboy here within the next couple of years. I just think that relationship has been spurned. It's tattered uh, to the point where it's, it, you know, it's more public than what we assume to be, what we picked up to be a Brady-Bilichek feud. And I, I, I just don't see Dak Prescott ending his career in Dallas after this weekend especially. Yeah, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a ridiculous claim. I think there's definitely uh, some merit to that. The contract negotiations have been very public, and obviously Dak is a very controversial player, not in the sense that he does things that are controversial, but everybody seems to have a different opinion on how good or not good Dak Prescott is. So I have to agree with you, Tanner. I I don't know. I, I doubt that Dak Prescott would finish his career as a Dallas Cowboy or even be on the roster in a few years. But I just as soon put money on the fact that so many conflicting reports and there's been so much going on there that I, I can't say whether he'll be there or not with any degree of confidence. I can't say any, anything about Dak Prescott with any degree of confidence, really. Well, you know, and I like Dak Prescott. I think he's a guy that can do the job at the NFL level. I didn't always feel like that, but I, I do think he's improved his game, and uh, he will be a really good quarterback for whoever decides to pick him up. I still don't know who I think is going to win that division this year, though, Max. I I know Philly won it last year. They had a really good draft, I thought, and they improved it. Uh, obviously, their weakest uh, point last year was team speed, and they certainly improved on that. But, man, Dallas already had maybe the most talented roster in football. Now they got better through the draft. They had a Super Bowl champion head coach. I I don't know, Max. Help me make up my mind. Who wins that division this year, Dallas or Philly? I, I have to say Dallas. As, as much as I have a personal – I don't want to say hatred for the Cowboys, but as much as I don't care about mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys, I you have to pick them. I mean, last year, if we take it back, the narrative was, wow, Dallas has all these great pieces. They have such a talented roster. Dak Prescott's numbers this, this past season, all up. You know, Kellen Moore emerging as a, as a bright young 
offensive coordinator. They have all this talent on both sides of the football. You know, they're, they're a first-round pick from a few years ago. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch just is a stud to watch on defense. He's one of my favorite play, favorite defensive players in the league, especially now that uh, Luke Keekley has stepped away. He's, mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite players at the linebacker position. So Dallas has all this talent, and now they have Mike McCarthy. For their sakes, they've got to win that division. They just have to. I tell you what, uh, we're joined by Max Stevens here at ESPN-UP, talking a little football, and quickly here we'll shift to the AFC, man. I, I tell you what, that AFC East division, is it uh, 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 weird to think that for the first time in 20 years, the Patriots might not have the best quarterback in that division? I mean, Josh Allen got his team to the playoffs this past year. We know what happened there. Tua Tungavailoa, of course, now in Miami. Sam Darnold has been... You know, kind of a mixed bag in New York. But, man, I, I don't know. But the Patriots really do seem committed to Jared Stidham. They passed on a lot of quarterbacks who are up this offseason. And, and I guess they drafted him for a reason last year. They did. And, you know, a lot of people forget that uh, Stidham was no slouch in college. You know, he, he put up some, some good numbers, and he, he was a solid quarterback. Uh, down at Auburn when Auburn was competing for SEC championships with Georgia. But, you know, to, to your point, Tanner, yeah, it's, it's going to be really weird to, to think that the Patriots might finally get knocked off in the AFC because you got to imagine, I mean, Buffalo is just so happy Tom Brady's not in New England anymore because Buffalo is on the precipice of uh, something great. And this, we saw that this year when they ultimately collapsed in the postseason against Deshaun Watson and the Texans. But Buffalo is on the precipice of really being the team in the AFC East. And it's going to be incredibly weird. It's going to be a weird but very welcome change because for as long as I've been alive and can remember, Tom Brady has been terrorizing the entire NFL, especially the, the AFC East. Tanner Hoops, Max Stevens with you here in ESPN-UP. Let's take our next time out. We have more to speculate on after this in ESPN-UP. Here's Tom from Donkers in the Delft. Actually, we're going to fire up relatively soon, I hope, and have some takeout. We're going to definitely start out with the takeout and the uh, curbside stuff. We can't wait to do that. I know everybody's waiting for the poutine and the uh, Donkers mac and cheese, and we can't wait to mix that all together. And Shane's downstairs making chocolate. We're working hard on making a lot of sea salt caramels and... Uh, Really getting excited to have everybody come by the door or come inside the door. We're going to make sure everybody's safe and sound. Lawns and gardens grow better on topsoil than on rocks. Ishpeming Concrete is now open for you to get your planting season started. Get a half yard of topsoil gently loaded into your pickup truck for just 18 bucks. That's a whole lot less than the 25 bags you'd need from the home store. Sweeten up your plantings and fix your lawn from the ravages of winter. Topsoil, the softer side of Ishpeming Concrete. 400 Stone Street behind Robbins Flooring. Open weekdays 8 till 4.30. Locally owned with a total commitment to quality there's no contact paying with a credit card and you don't need to leave your vehicle now back to the sports pen here's tanner who MLB The Show Players League, a video game tournament where all 30 clubs had representatives play against each other. Congratulations to 
Blake Snell, best video game player in baseball, and adds that to his Cy Young from a couple years ago. Longtime NFL head coach Don Shula passed away at the age of 90. The Miami Herald reported Shula is the NFL's all-time wins leader. And finally, honey badgers are not true badgers. Honey badgers come from a different genus than typical badgers and are more closely related to weasels and wolverines. That is your Sports Center update. Tanner Hoops joined by Max Stevens, and glad you're along here in ESPN UP. Well, we've been uh, speculating, looking ahead to the coming sports seasons with Max, and we still have more on that to get to. And you know, hopefully, we can uh, get in some sport uh, playoff matchups when uh, sports resume, such as base, uh, hockey and basketball. But first, Max, we've done this. It's started out as the hat of content. I had a hat, uh, a physical leprechaun hat. I had questions in it. I'd reach in, pull one out, and uh, we've since retired the leprechaun hat. Now we just got the, the sheet of questions and everything, and we take a, a quick break a little bit to uh, speculate on some of these, some fun, random questions, and I want to get your thoughts on some of these. So I'm pulling out our question of the day, and this is a fun one. What is the most obscure jersey you've ever owned? The most obscure jersey I've ever owned. Oh, man. That's a fun one. Well, uh, the most obscure jersey I've ever owned would uh, have to be my own jersey from when I played on the, the Michigan Eagles AAU team. I, I still have it. It's red and white, reversible. I wear the number two. And uh, it's honestly a pretty sweet jersey. I love like, reversible uh, jerseys. I do. Yeah, they, they, were, they were awesome. The shorts were reversible, too. So I remember we were playing in a tournament in Fort Wayne, and we were trying out all these different uniform combinations. We were going like, all right, red top, red shorts, uh, white top, white shorts, white shorts, red top, white top, red shorts, you know, all the different combinations. And, and it was fun. But the, uh, on a more serious note, the most obscure jersey, I don't really um, – I don't really own a lot of jerseys. The generally that that material that jersey material is uh, I don't really find it very comfortable. Mm. But I would have to say the most obscure recognizable jersey that I own would be uh, probably my Draymond Green Michigan State. Oh, either my Draymond Green Michigan State jersey or my Shannon Brown Michigan State basketball mm. jersey. Shannon Brown was my favorite player when i was a kid oh man i tell you what uh you have unconventional favorite players max and i like that i like it that you go outside the box but man i'm a huge jersey guy i love collecting jerseys and uh man i'm i'm i think there are a few different answers i could give you if i had to answer this question myself i have a cincinnati bearcats basketball jersey i have no idea why Absolutely no idea why, but uh, it's in my closet now. It's it's red. It's number eleven. There's no specific player assigned to it. Uh, I, I didn't even buy it. I just I inherited it. I think my dad gave it to me. Um, but I, you know what? It's a cool jersey, and uh, I, I I probably should wear it more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to now that the the weather is nice again. I feel I can represent. I have a couple of uh, Kalamazoo Browlers jerseys from when I was working with the team last season, and now that it's nice and it's eventually, hopefully, going to be baseball weather again here soon, uh, I can rock those. Well, I tell you what, Max, we uh, talk about a little baseball, and it does sound like we're going to have a major league season. Uh, they're taking steps, taking precautions, and at this point, I am optimistic. 
that we're going to have baseball, at least at the major league level. Uh, it may or may not be without fans. And before we talk about how this uh, this season could pan out, what, what are your thoughts on the whole no spectators thing? I mean, some people say we shouldn't have sports if fans can't be there uh, live in attendance because it, it's all about the atmosphere and the fan experience. I don't buy that, and I'm actually pretty firm against that because, man, we need live sports right now. We need something to watch, something to uh, cheer for, talk about, something to distract us. And, man, there's a lot of people who are going to lose out on their livelihoods uh, if we don't have live sports. And I care about that more than I care about if people get their fan experience or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right, Tanner. And, you know, there's a, there's a question – and well, th this is a good question. I, I almost think that it, it, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter what I, what I think, you know. Just and I, I say that because ultimately, like sports without fans, even wh whether you whether you think we should do it or whether you think if there's no fans and there shouldn't be sports at all, you know, each their, their own about that. But just no fans would just suck. It will. But if that's what we have to do, then that's what we have to do. If that's if that's the only way we can safely have sports, I'd rather have sports than not have them at all. I mean, it's obviously better with fans. It is, but yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. We need to we need to get back to having sports. I and mean, we just I, I get it. You know, it's gonna be better when we do get fans back, whenever that is, but man, we gotta have some live sports back. So Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we get that here sooner rather than later. And again, I do think that we're gonna have a, a pro baseball season from what we're hearing. And that's interesting in of itself, Max, how they might end up doing this, whether it's gonna be played at, you know, three different sites in Florida, Arizona and Texas, or some teams could play in their home ballparks again. I know there's optimism for a few of them, even in uh, some of the hardest hit cities like Seattle and New York, but I'm wondering how they're going to work out the whole divisional alignment because I don't believe that they're going to go with the American League and National League. I think they're going to throw that out for this year, and they're going to uh, base everything based on uh, geography. So I don't know what this whole format is going to look like. I did do my playoff predictions, but I did those months ago, and I did them based on uh, leagues and divisions, and I, I, I need your help uh, figuring out how that could change because, man, in the American League, let's assume that, you know, five teams uh, for me, well, we're throwing out the league, so let's assume ten teams are going to make it. Um, in the American League before all this, I had the three divisional winners from last year all repeating this year. I had Houston, Minnesota, New York all uh, winning their divisions again. I have the Rays making it as a wild card, and, man, this was tough because I think there are two teams out west that really could. Uh, you, you could easily make the case and persuade me that they will get that other wild card spot. But, man, I'm going to say that it's finally going to happen for Mike Trout. I know he's been there before, but still. Uh, the Angels are going to edge out Oakland and get that other wild card spot. And, you know, Tanner, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Angels because the Angels are, uh, in my opinion, one of the teams in, in Major League Baseball that has the most pressure on them right now. Because, like you said, they have Mike Trout, and they have absolutely nothing to show for it other than Trout's insanely impressive list of individual accolades the Angels have nothing to show for it. So now they've, you know, they went out, they got Anthony Rendon, 
they got to start making some noise here because the narrative is already start. The narrative surrounding that team is already, oh my gosh, the Angels are wasting the career of one of the statistically greatest baseball players to ever live. So they got to they got to find a way to, to to put it together out there out there in. Uh, out there in L.A., otherwise that 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 is only going to get worse for them. Well, especially with Joe Madden coming over as the new manager. I mean, they they have the tools that they should be winning, and I think this might be the year that they finally break through. Although Oakland, you know, they're a weird team, Max, because it seems like they play 500 baseball for like half the year, and then they still somehow win 90 games. Like they're just a weird team in that sense. And it's like if they actually played a full season, they didn't slack off for half the season. It's weird to think what they might be, but you know what? I think this might be the year the Angels just edge them out, although, man, don't sleep on the Chicago White Sox either. They're getting better, and I don't know if they'll be a playoff team, but I think they'll be an 80-something win team. I think they'll uh, be in the mix toward the end, and then Cleveland might be a little bit down from what they were last year, but they still won 90-something games, so there's a lot that could change here. The, the narrative could very well shift with those American League teams. Absolutely, and I really hope that it does because after after a couple years there where we were referring to it as the AL Comedy Central, mm. I mean, we just need to get some competitive baseball back in this division. So mm -hmm. if the White Sox, the Indians, the Twins, I understand my Tigers are still a couple of years removed probably, but if we could just get the division to be at least competitive on the top side again, that would be great for baseball. Well, and you think about the Tigers, and I get it. You know, there's not a lot of reason to be optimistic for the coming season, but there is a lot of reason to be optimistic here in the future because, man, that farm system is no joke, especially when it comes to pitchers. And, man, I, I firmly believe that good pitching beats good hitting. And, man, they have got all kinds of pitching in that farm system, headlined, of course, by Mr. Casey Mize. Mm -hmm. Of course, and the Tigers, when they made you know when they made two World Series within ten years, it was on the backs of their their pitching. I mean, obviously Miguel Cabrera was playing out of his mind, and for a while, for the second um, appearance that the team made in the World Series, you know they had made the big time acquisition of Prince Fielder. But in those years, the Tigers' starting pitching rotation was just one of the best in baseball. I mean, for a time period, that Tigers' starting rotation was Justin Verlander, Anibal Sanchez, Rick Porcello, and Max Scherzer, which top to bottom is just a loaded lineup. So to see that the Tigers are, are making moves and they're reassembling you know, some bullpen talent and some starting talent, and it's accumulating in the farm system. The, you know, the gears are starting to move into all the right places. So we just need to we need to develop these players. But you're right, Tanner. You know, the outlook might be not be great in the immediate sense, but in the future, the Tigers are, are looking are looking good and promising, at least from a pitching perspective. And I tell you what, I'm a big Ron Gardenhire fan. I'm always going to be as a Twins fan growing up. He uh, he gave me a lot of good memories. I don't know that he's the guy in Detroit. You know, I get it. He uh, he was kind of an uninspiring hire. Uh, he got fired from Minnesota because he did not adapt to current baseball. He's he's very much an old school type manager, and that ended up leading to his downfall. He got back on the. 
back on the right track as a bench coach in Arizona with Tori Lavello and the Diamondbacks had some really good teams and made his way to Detroit. Now, I get it. He's starting to get better with the analytics. That it, Really, that entire coaching staff, he brought the whole band back together from uh, his days in Minnesota. Um, are they – are they advanced with the analytics? No, they're, they're not really close to it, but they're getting better. They're improving. Uh, I just, I really don't think Gardy is the long-term answer there in Detroit. I think he's kind of the bridge guy until they get back to being competitive. I just, I don't see Garden Hire lasting until that happens in Detroit. I, and I, I think that's a, that's a totally fair outlook. And, and, and to your credit, you mentioned, you know, a very, they, they run a very old school style of baseball. And last season, in a season where there was a ridiculous amount of home runs blasted and, you know, home run records, it seems like, are getting broken every year, the Tigers have had a very small part in that. The, the Tigers have been cellar dwellers in terms of team power hitting as a team. The, 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 the Tigers, obviously, Miguel Cabrera is only getting older, so the, the Tigers have not filled in their roster with big-time power, and it shows. And, you know, part of that is Comerica Park has one of the deepest outfields in Major League Baseball, but, you, you know, in, in terms of modern baseball, if you're not hitting the home run ball very well, then it's going to be really hard to go anywhere. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Max Stevens with you here in ESPN-UP, speculating potentially – the uh, upcoming baseball year, we uh, are coming up on our next break, so we'll take that now. We'll finish this off talking National League Baseball next on ESPN-UP. As the COVID-19 outbreak continues, most businesses across the UP will need support. You're invited to visit www.update906.com, provided by the UP Economic Development Community, for the UP business community designed to offer a single online location of trusted resources including currently available local, state, and federal programming, as well as local support. Go to Update906.com to stay informed and up-to-date in this fast-changing environment. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Stevens with you. We're glad to have you along this Monday afternoon. We've been speculating the upcoming baseball season. Again, we are hopeful and honestly, I'm optimistic that we're going to have Major League Baseball in some way, shape, or form this year. But we talked about the American League. Max, the National League, I feel, has got some really interesting storylines. Uh, I do think the three American League divisional winners will repeat in the National League. I'm not so sure. I, I do think the Dodgers continue to uh, control things out west. The Central is going to be really interesting because, uh, man, not a lot of those teams made any major moves to get better or worse this offseason. Well, I guess the Pirates are probably going to be worse. Pirates would have lost 100, probably 10-something games if we had a full season. But none of those teams outside of Cincinnati made a huge move to get better. And since he made quite a few of those, are they in a, uh, in a position yet where they can pierce the wall of that big three, the Chicago, uh, Milwaukee, St. Louis wall. I don't know, man. They're kind of like the White Sox of this uh, of this league. That Man, did they get in, uh, better enough this offseason to get to the point where they can contend for that division? 
I don't know. I still tend to lean that St. Louis would probably win that division. That I'm conflicted on that, man. I really am. Yeah, and, you know, that's understandable. The the NL Central has been one of the most competitive divisions in baseball uh, over the past few years. But ultimately, I really don't think it's going to matter who wins the, the NL Central because as far as I can see, the Dodgers are still just a buzzsaw of a baseball team. And obviously, you know, this offseason they made all the headlines when they went out and they got – David Price and Mookie Betts. So the Dodgers, for their sakes, they're they're in another. Uh, you know, I mentioned a little earlier in the show the pressure that I think the the Angels are facing to not waste the career of Mike Trout. The Dodgers have stacked their roster in such a remarkable way that if they don't come out of the National League and win a World Series within the next couple of years, hopefully for their sakes this season. You got What is that going to do to that team? I mean, they have really sold out. To, you know, they were victims of the sign stealing scandal, which was obviously been heavily publicized and discussed over the past couple of months. And it'll also, I think, if the Dodgers can't get it done and you know lock down the National League and, and finally win the World Series, what's that going to do to the legacy of Clayton Kershaw, a guy who's been historically dominant but just cannot for the life of him get it done when it counts in October Uh, I tell you what the uh, Dodgers with all their faults as being one of the more competitive teams in baseball they still haven't been able to get over that hump but I do think that they uh, control the National League for now despite the fact that the defending champs reside in the National League and man I'm not even sure that Washington will win their division this year. They have great pitching like they have when you're in a postseason series. That's going to benefit you 10 times out of 10. But uh, that division is good enough to the point where Atlanta, I think, is probably going probably gonna to repeat. I, I just think, I think they have a better roster overall. And, man, don't count out the New York Mets with the pitching that they have because, again, great pitching is going to beat great hitting. Absolutely. I mean, and I'm glad you brought up the uh, that that division because that I think is going to be one of the most exciting divisions to watch in baseball this year. You talked about the pitching of the Mets, and you know the Braves are obviously looking good in that division as well. The Braves made a couple of moves to really uh, fill in their their starting rotation. You know, they added Cole Hamels, they added King Felix, who obviously uh, is is older and not as as dominant as he once was. But you see, you know. To your point, great pitching beats great hitting because this is this is the, the creme de la creme for these teams. This is the finishing touch on top. This is, okay, we're ready to, to make a run and try and win this division. you got to fill in the starting rotation, and that's what a lot of these teams uh, at the top or at least projected to be at the top of the NL East have been doing. So I, I think the NL East is going to be one of the most exciting divisions in baseball this year Uh, i tell you what max a lot of brewer listeners around here they've been a playoff team they've been uh, a playoff team for the last few years and they will be in the mix again this season but did they do enough this offseason to be able to catch st louis or did they do enough to hold off chicago or cincinnati and honestly who knows what the divisional alignments are going to look like when this is all said and done when they do decide uh when to start the season but Man, I don't, I don't know if they did enough. That pitching staff still concerns me. I just, I know they can hit the ball well, and I know that they feature one of the best players in baseball, but 
it's it's like we've been talking about good pitching is always going to do it for me, and that's been Milwaukee's downfall the last few years. Yeah, and you know your, your concerns are definitely valid, and I I think the the health and how Christian Yelich looks returning from his injury is going to be a big part of that Brewers season. But you know if, even if if Yelich comes back and plays well, is it going to be enough? It, it it's it's tough to say. Because the Cardinals, you know, I mean, who knows if the Brewers would have won the division if they had Yelich for the in- entire season. But the Cardinals, like you said, have made a lot of moves. They won the division last year. So it's going to be a tough division. And they're, I think the, Milwaukee's issue is if they can't get it done, it will be because they relied, like you said, too much on their on their hitting and too much on Christian Yelich and their their big hitters to deliver and they didn't do enough to to get it done in the bullpen. I do want to get to some basketball and hockey here before we run out of time and we uh, obviously were in progress with those seasons before ultimately being cut short due to the COVID-19 outbreak. But Max, you've done, you know, some work here at ESPN UP and I think again your workload's probably increased here over the last few weeks, but uh you did some uh, state of state of the NHL and NBA addresses and you previewed some of the playoff matches because again, we don't know if we're going to resume the regular season in all likelihood probably not. We might just go right into the postseason. And mm-hmm. you previewed some of those postseason matchups. Uh, let's start with the NBA. Uh, you talked about what some of the matchups could be if if uh, the postseason were to start immediately once the season resumes. Is there any matchup there that stands out to you you think might be the most intriguing or entertaining? I do. And uh, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you those for, for each conference. So in the East, My first-round series to watch is Indiana and Miami because those are two really deep basketball teams. You know, Miami obviously has blossomed this year and exceeded expectations. You know, Kendrick Nunn, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. Like, these guys are playing really well together. And the Pacers surprised a lot of people this year. You know, they were missing their best player, Victor Oladipo, for, for a lot of the season. But Sabonis has really emerged and proven himself as, you know, hey, he's a, he's a high-quality ball player. So I think that's going to be a really interesting series. And Oladipo did not look like himself. Even though he was back from injury, he wasn't quite playing like himself. I hope that this, you know, this over a month off that we've had now, going on two months, I hope this time has been kind to him. Because if he comes back as the explosive and unstoppable force that pushed even LeBron's calves to the brink, I think the Pacers could really make some noise in the Eastern Conference. Also, in the Western Conference, my series to watch is the 2-7 matchup, the Clippers and the Mavericks, because I am really high on the pairing of Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. I think those two can really make some noise in the years to come, and the Mavericks have done a great job filling in that that roster around them with some really capable players. So I think that's going to be a really interesting series to watch because even though you have to give the favorite the edge in that series on paper to the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, we remember a lot of people forget Paul George really choked hard in the postseason last year but that's kind of forgotten because Damian Lillard hit one of the most insane clutch shots 
anybody's ever seen. Paul George really choked last postseason, so we'll have to see. He's got to come out on a mission because if he doesn't and he's not playing well, I think the Mavericks could really give the Clippers some trouble. Oh, you think about that series, and my mouth is watering just thinking about that Dallas offense against that L.A. defense and what that could end up being like. I mean, that's going to be fun. Uh, is there going to be any drama, do you think, or are we just going to have the two one seeds go at it in the finals, the Lakers and the Bucks? Because that's kind of where I'm at right now. I do think the Clippers actually have a more talented and complete roster than the Lakers, but, man, that postseason path is going to be so grueling. I, I think there's a lot to be said for what should be a more rested LeBron-led Laker team. Well, I, I'm with you on that, Tanner, and I think ultimately if – the Clippers can get past the Mavericks and they can get to the Western Conference Finals, I give them the edge over the Lakers. I, I, I do, and I would love to see the Clippers come out of the West and finally get their day in the sun. But as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned, I think it is Milwaukee's conference to lose. Milwaukee's been the best team in the NBA all year. They've put up the best record. Giannis is still playing out of his mind, but, you know, there, there have been a lot of rumors surrounding Kupo and what he's going to do when he, he becomes a free agent, you know. He's gone on record and said, you know, I love Milwaukee, I want to stay with the Bucks, but we've heard all this before from top players, and if the Bucks can't put it together and at least make the finals and start winning here in the postseason – it doesn't bode well for the Bucks if they want to hold on to their star player. I tell you what, you look at some of those NBA matchups, and I'm with you out west. I think that's going to be the series to watch, Dallas and L.A. Out east, man, I, I am intrigued by that Miami-Indiana matchup. I really am. Um, I think for me, I, I'm going to go with the 3-6 matchup, Boston-Philadelphia, because those are two teams that obviously made the second round last year. They have that rivalry going on, and for a long time it seemed like Philly could not solve Boston. You know, they might be ahead of them in the standings, but Boston had their number. Somewhere along the line, that flipped. And now, while Boston is up in the standings, they can't solve Philadelphia. So for me, man, I'm going to go with that Boston-Philly matchup. I think it could be a really fun first-round series. That, I, I, I definitely agree with you, Tanner. And I, I, will, I will have to point out, though, the reason I chose not to pick that as my most interesting series is because I can't have I can't put any postseason stock in the 76ers because they've played so poorly on the road all season. You cannot play that poorly on the road, let alone in the postseason, and expect to go anywhere. Yep. So I, I, I agree. I love the matchup, and those are two fiercely competitive teams. I think Philadelphia, it was just a road record. I mean, if they had, you know – one, find a way to win a couple more games on the road, then they wouldn't be in the sixth seed. They'd be, you know, top four in the East for sure. They have the talent to be, but they just didn't play like it. So if they can't get it done on the road, then I think the Celtics should be able to win that series. Yep, good point. But I tell you what, before we run out of time, real quick, how about the NHL? Any matchups there that you think would be really fun here in the postseason? Any matchups? Yes. Uh, actually, one of my teams to watch uh, for this Stanley Cup playoffs would be Edmonton. Edmonton, obviously, Connor McDavid has completely blossomed. He's one of the best players in hockey. And at the trade deadline, Edmonton made a lot of moves that show that they're in win-now mode, that they're ready. They feel like they're ready. 
and they're good to go. They traded a lot of tra- they made a lot of trades with uh, with the Detroit Red Wings actually, and they acquired uh, you know Mike Green. They acquired Andreas Antetokounmpo. They traded away a lot of draft capital and got better now at the deadline. So I watch for the Oilers to be a team to potentially make some noise in the postseason. Tell you what, looking forward to seeing how it all pans out. And again, I'm optimistic that we will be able to have sports again, and hopefully it's going to be sooner rather than later as plans are already in place and phases are being completed and checked off. With that, we're out of time. Max Stevens is able to join us here in ESPN-UP. Man, always enjoy talking to you and getting you on air. And, you know, shoot, you're doing a lot of work for us here at ESPN-UP right now, and we appreciate you. So, man, we'll have to do this again. Until then, stay safe and be well. Well, thank you very much, Tanner. You as well, and thanks for having me on. It was a blast to be here, and uh, we had some good talk today, so we'll have to do this again. A lot of fun, and we definitely will do it again here in the near future. That's it for us here in ESPN-UP. Tune in tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. My hope that you join us then. Until then, for Max Stevens, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.